Global from Asia, episode 260. We're going to take an adventure from San Francisco to Bali. Something like that. Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now, your host, Michael Michelini. Thank you, everybody, for choosing to download this. I was talking to some people and they some unsubscribe. Now they're resubscribing. Different reasons or, you know, we did take that break for a few months so I'm excited to hear that you're hearing or excited to virtually feel you're listening to this. <clears throat> I was talking to a friend, I think Zach Franklin says, how do you how do you just talk to yourself on these microphones or do an interview with him on a bus and thinking about people listening? I mean, I guess it's like Target Avatar. I know I've met some listeners, you know, that said they listen to it and they're walking their dog in the morning, driving the car riding a bike i think most of the time we're on the move and this week's show is on the move uh our old time listener tommy griffith click-minded get him on the show he was listening to this when he's in san francisco working for the man he but he, he seemed like he had a pretty cool gig and we talk about his it's a, it's a fun like kind of like case study discussion about moving full-time entrepreneurship when you actually enjoy what you do in your day job and you know, moving your lifestyle and the adjustments and some of the the ups and downs and the roller coaster. It was a, it was a really fun conversation, and we uh, we had quite a f- fun time. And mm, hopefully, this motivates some of you to maybe get out of your comfort zone. I think that's one of the bigger takeaways. We'll have the blah, blah, blah after the interview. Some of you say you enjoy that. I hope you guys do, too. And, you know, Gulf Major, we're mixing things up. We were talking about the protests last week. We we talk about Amazon sometimes, of course, Asia business. And this one's maybe, you know, leaving your comfortable San Francisco gig and uh, moving to Bali. We actually uh, talked about Tommy on a really old show with Bree Moreau about SEO and, and Bali, and it was that co-working, same co-working space. So we're kind of connecting the dots here. Well, 260 shows is quite a bit. If you add in e-commerce gladiator, and I've also been a, been a co-host at the China Business Cast, and I did Forbes China for a while, and, and some other shows, Social Agent. I mean, over 300 or something shows for sure count at all. But even on, on this feed, it's definitely more than 260. So... Of course, we're going to have some connecting of dots of previous guests. So if you remember the Brie Moreau show about him doing building an SEO company in Bali, we have Tommy G here, Tommy Griffith, also connecting that dot when he got there to do his SEO training course, uh, building and growth. So thank you again for listening, and let's get into the show. And if you want to hear maybe my my first time, some of my, uh, maybe people always like the juicy stuff. We'll talk about some of my hardships of, uh, living overseas after the show. I'll, I'll put some, I'll try to not repeat myself. Maybe I said it somewhere in some of these shows, but I'll put some of these kind of more tragic things that have happened to me. How about this? I'll talk about my bike getting robbed twice in China and my laptop getting stolen in China. I'll put that in the blah, blah, blah. But let's take it away. Get into the interview with Tommy Griffith, Click Minded, and his journey from 
starting his uh, online training business. <coughs> Whew. Get me all choked up here. Tommy going full-time and growing his business, putting a co-founder in late, and other juicy story tidbits here. And it was a fun conversation, and, uh, and I was also a listener, so let's, let's dive in. Are you coming out to China in this October for the trade show season to want to meet up with amazing guests and experts in cross-border e-commerce, Amazon FBA, and more? Gold from Asia's fourth annual cross-border summit finally made its own website. For many years, it was a sub-page on goldfromasia.com. We're separating it out. Also got an amazing co-organizer, Mark Ramos, helping out on the ground in Guangzhou. We've been hiring new people at the team to help out. Amazing volunteers. www.crossbordersummit.com slash China. Border. B-O-R-D-E-R. Some say B-O-A-R-D-E-R. We got both. So you can misspell it if whichever spelling you like. Crossbordersummit.com. Hope to see you there. It supports the show. And there's amazing people there. Crossbordersummit.com. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another Global From Asia podcast. We are in what category? For our work week, escape the, escape the rat race episode, a story, and a friend and, and a longtime listener, Tommy Griffiths from Click Minded. Thanks for being here, Tommy. Mr. Michelini, what's going on, my man? That's good. It's good, man. We've we've catching up a little bit before the recording, but it's uh, it's it's great to have you on the show. I remember you reaching out back in the day, um, listening to some of the earlier episodes here, and it's uh, it's 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 great to get you on the show. Yeah, man. Now that uh, now that you're big and famous you got to remember the little guys that listened to you when you were small okay so you gotta (laughs) you gotta you gotta get you gotta give me some credit i was listening i'm an og man i was listening in the early days you know yeah no i appreciate it i mean we've diversified but yeah originally it was hyper focused in in hong kong you know all the hong kong uh business banking and stuff which is fun and and uh we're uh, expanding but today's show is yeah like like i said earlier uh you're I read your blog post. We'll definitely link it up in the show notes. The whole, I, you know, keep, you know, I think everybody likes those raw ones where you just kind of lay out your 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 uh, experiences, the ups and and the downs of entrepreneurship and uh, and getting out of the grind. But you're so you're the founder CEO of Click Minded. Is that is that what the best title for you now or or? Yeah, like- uh, yeah, that's that, that's it's being the CEO of like a. four-person company i mean it's like (laughs) it always makes you laugh stretching it right i love it like you go to these networking events and everybody's a ceo half the time but uh it's you know but it's great man you've been doing good so click minded is is the it's like a seo training online training company is that the correct way or yeah yeah, so so ClickMinded is a digital marketing training course for entrepreneurs and marketers. Um, we started off as an SEO training course. I've been doing search engine optimization for about ten years. Um, I started with a very you know like a lot of people read four hour work week, wrote a dorky ebook, tried to get it ranking in Google, taught myself SEO, first business failed. Um, I ended up moving out to I kind of came back. I was traveling and first business failed, and I came back to the U.S with my tail between my legs and uh, had brought on a bunch of debt from family and friends that I'd take on, taken on. 
and uh, ended up finding a job at PayPal. So I moved over to the Bay Area and uh, managed search engine optimization to PayPal for two years, then eventually moved over to Airbnb and managed search engine optimization at Airbnb for four years and uh, started ClickMinded on the side while I was working at both of those. So it started as a physical in-person training course. I was teaching startups SEO on the weekends in co-working spaces. And it was just sort of right place, right time with this online learning, online course renaissance we're in now. It was 2012. I had a physical in-person class, and I ended up creating an online course for Udemy. You familiar with Udemy? You know them? Yeah, I, I, I uh, yeah, I have. I don't actually know if I even want to say it on the show, but I have one one of my uh, one of my courses on there. I still get a small drip of money once in a while, once a month. Oh, or nice. Something. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, so started there, um, and that sort of kicked it off. I ended up using my search engine optimization training course at Airbnb. We would train up, you know, designers and engineers and data scientists that joined the growth team to work on SEO. We would take them through the course. Uh, it grew and grew and grew. It ended up eclipsing my salary after a few years. And then uh, two years ago, I went full time on it. So left Airbnb to go full time on ClickMinded. Since then, I've I, yeah, I, I left to travel. I've been traveling for the last few years, and we've grown it from an SEO course to uh, much more comprehensive. So it's seven courses now, paid ads, content marketing, email marketing, social media, sales funnels, Google Analytics. And our model is we try and find world-class people that do this every day, right? So the social media course is taught by the former head of social at Airbnb. The content marketing course is taught by the former content strategist from Lyft. And we try and have instructors that kind of do this stuff every day. Nice. Yeah, of course, quality is everything, especially people, you know, it, it's more than just the money of the course. It's the, you know, the time people need to invest and, you know, to enjoy and, and take action and learn from it. So I, I, I there's so much, I, you know, I've read your blog and, you know, I've seen you speak about this and we've talked a lot. And I always like your jokes about your first customer the the you have like <laughs> pictures of his name i think it's uh it's pretty funny or like yeah. maybe your first online or was it your first offline customer for your course like i think it was offline right you were doing these uh like meetups or like maybe first yeah. how you got into so you're working at you're working at airbnb and and you you know you started click minded and then you you I remember yeah, yeah. this is a cool story. I don't know if I'm messing it up or going out of <laughs> order here, but I like this. I like this. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I had, you know, I moved to San Francisco after the first failed business attempt. And I was one of these people where, I, you know, I was incredibly blessed. My parents had paid for my university, but I ended up putting myself into debt after university, I tried this business. It didn't work. I borrowed money from family and friends. And so I, you know, I, it ended up ultimately working out. I failed into a, a job. I you know, taught myself SEO in the meantime and ended up managing search engine optimization to PayPal. But I was I still had all this debt I was trying to pay down and so wanted to start this side project and ended up physically teaching this SEO course on the weekends. And you know, it was a all you know, all day, Saturday, you know, nine to five, kind of all you can SEO. And we were charging I was charging five hundred dollars per user. I did a revenue share with the co-working space, so would would share revenue with them because I didn't have the money to book a space and then be really stressed about filling it, right? So just did yeah. a revenue share 
whenever I uh, booked. Four to five person classes ended up being great, but one person classes were terrible. <laughs> and the the moment I, I knew I had to change something was I had this moment in time where I had someone who emailed me and said, hey, I'd love to come in and do a course, uh, but I'm only in town this one day and I can only do this Saturday. Can you do it? And it was it was a Saturday. It was March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, which is also my birthday. <laughs> and it was this guy. He was like a 50-something-year-old Chinese guy named Philip. And he just emailed me saying, can you make an exception and make a, do a teacher course on the Saturday? And I was sitting there. We're reading his email. And I was just like <laughs> so miserable. And I'm thinking about the debt I had. And I was like, okay, let's do it. And then he said, do you have a promo code? And I was like, oh, God, okay, fine. And then, you know, when I did out the math, it was awful. You know, it was oh. a 50-50 revenue share with the co-working space. I bought, I made, create printed materials for the guy. You know, that cost some money. I would buy the guy lunch, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. PayPal fees, Eventbrite fees. And then I spent four or five hours preparing for it. And then, you know, six, five or six hours teaching and I did out the math, and I was making about $12 an hour, and San Francisco minimum wage was $13 an hour. So <laughs> it was not. ClickMinded was the worst company to work for in San Francisco. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, of course, a funny story, but I still I still think listeners should realize you're, you're hustling, you know. You, you, I think, I still think I would take that. It's your first customer, your experience, you're getting some... I think, of course, maybe the short term, and I remember your charts in your blog post. Of course, you know, I think any any startup or any what a tech business or business, you know, you're not making max profit at the beginning, but you're validating your business. Your learning is working. I mean, of course, you could have maybe said no to this guy and still maybe be where you are today. But at the same time, I think, you know, I think, would you? Maybe it's a good question for you. Would you do that again, or would you just? Do you think that that helped you at all <laughs> saying yes to this dude and working on your yeah, birthday? I mean, or do you think <laughs> is there any breakthrough of maybe maybe it was a maybe you should have just gone and partied on your birthday on St. Patrick's Day? I don't know. I wonder <laughs> I wonder if there's any uh you know, there's a whole lean startup movement. I don't know if that's as big as it used to be, but you know, just ex it's uh, experimenting and learning, right? Is that is there any or is it just like was that just a big mistake? You think? Yeah, I mean, you can't uh, you can't run the simulation twice, right? True, and true. So, and so, there, I think the biggest the biggest thing, and a lot of people undervalue this, is being miserable and in debt is one of the most powerful forces of nature <laughs> there is. And you don't, it, it's just funny because that, you know, you could argue that that was the catalyst that ultimately ended up being the reason why I pivoted to, one of the big reasons why I pivoted to creating an online course was because the business was so stupid. <laughs> I loved I loved what I did. I loved SEO. I loved teaching SEO. But the business was fundamentally dumb. And, and uh, you know, that, um, that the motivation to do that on that Saturday for on my birthday only came about because I was miserable and in debt. And it's really funny because you, you might have a lot of people in your audience that are listening and they're comfortable and they have a good paying job and maybe they're thinking about an Amazon FBA business or maybe they're thinking about uh, you know jumping to the next side project. 
But in a really strange and interesting and counterintuitive way, I think the more comfortable they are, the more dangerous it is. I think the less likely they're going to jump, right? And it kind of the, the more you the the more you have to lose, the less likely you are to to put it on the line, right? And uh, and I was just in this position where I felt a little bit cornered, a little bit trapped, and I had to make it work. And so I ended up accepting everything, taking everything, and. I just said yes to a million things until it eventually worked. Yeah, I, I like that. I, it made, you made me think of my days on Wall Street, and I, I, I honestly hated working there. So that was my motivation, and I did it for the purely for making as much money as I could to start my own thing. But I remember a lot of people that I work with were, like you said, comfortable. And they would, you know, there was, of course, the happy hours and I was just starting on eBay and, you know, selling on my website and stuff like that. And they're like, wait, you make, how do you do that? Or what? You know, and then they're always like, and then I quit. And I remember they're just like, I want to quit one day, but I don't know when, because they're making good salary and it gets to direct deposit to your bank account every two weeks and, it's true. I think, yeah, I mean, if you're comfortable, that might be a problem to start your own business. I think if you're backed into a corner where you got to make this work and you got to take this this uh, shitty offer from some dude asking for a discount code for a, you know, a single course, single person. And, you know, I think that just forces you to work your ass off until you make this work and do whatever it, whatever it takes. I think that's some of the issues is some people... Yeah, or just comfortable, and I, I agree with you. I think, I think then that might be a negative. I think, ent- or that horrible word like entitlement, or people think that I deserve this job or this, you know, which is an issue. I think in the world today, a lot of people feel like they have to get, you know, their certain level of living standards and and things like that. But, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. The I, and I agree with you, but I think the more kind of the more comfortable you are and the further along you are the less likely you are to jump and the the, the higher risk you are to sort of stay the status quo right so yeah. um i think the in a weird way being super miserable was the driving force that that took me to the next level another thing is there was there was a WeChat group uh, you know i try to not get too distracted with these groups but there was some fight in a group and some guy's like, dude, you know, Google my name. You don't know who I am or, you know, and and some guy said he linked to a, um, a movie with Brad Pitt that says that is why no one will remember your name because there's some kid that passes him the sword and he says, are you really going to fight that huge army or that huge enemy on your own? I'm so scared. Aren't you scared? And he says, that is why no one will remember your name. Like, you just got to go out there <laughs> and just just put yourself out there right i think that's that's what i think one of these stories of people just um because yeah i get that same question like how did you why did you quit or how did you so you and so but you were doing good and i remember we had met in person and you know you we we often meet at dc bkk and and you know amazing guys there and you were still working i think when i met you there and you were still had this was still your side hustle right and so now you have you were in a pretty good position you were able to work your you get your decent you know 
income as as an employee and also have a pretty awesome side hustle that was profitable and doing really well right i mean but you were still wanted to travel the world to get out of you know is that the story i mean maybe we'll just fast forward a little bit but of course you hustled you learned you you built an online course you grew it um but you were still able to i think they even were supporting you right i mean they they knew it's not like it was a secret and uh what was the motivator to, to, yeah. to do that? Yeah. So, um, the business ended up eclipsing my salary in the third year I was working on it, but I didn't end up leaving until the fifth year. Um, and part of the, the big reason why I was, I just, it, it, this might be a little different than a lot of the audience, but I just really liked my job. Right. Uh, I just, and I also just kind of wasn't done in my job, right? It was a lot of personal stuff. You know, I joined an amazing company. I fully drank the Kool-Aid <laughs> on, on Airbnb, but it, re- but it really was. It really was incredible. You know, PayPal was extremely boring, much more like a bank. Customers really don't like it. A lot of people have a lot of, a lot of hate towards PayPal. I, right? I, I really hate um, those guys, man. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, I think listeners, sure. I, I, I rank in Google for tons uh, of variations of PayPal. I get painful people that think I'm somehow PayPal and they want to kill me just because I have a blog about them. Like, it's seriously, <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, they, they, there's not a lot of goodwill out there on for PayPal, but there's a lot of goodwill for, for Airbnb. And I joined at just a crazy time. Like, the, you know, the business was, was really skyrocketing when I joined. There was 100-something employees when I joined, 2,000-something when I left. The business doubled every year for four years in a row. It, the first year, I, the week I joined, we were subpoenaed by the state of New York for our data. And the last week I left, I worked on a Super Bowl ad and like Beyonce stayed in an Airbnb, right? So it's nice. just like a massive, you know, the CEO said this all the time and it, it, it's it's the rah-rah stuff, it's the propaganda, but I really believe it. He said he thinks it's a once in a generation company and I really do believe it. I think it's, yeah. it's fundamentally changed how, how we travel. Um, it's, a, it's just going to be one of these things that created a new category. Our, our grandkids are going to use it, right? It's not going to go away. It's not, it's not, it's not like a dumb app. It's a, it's an actual thing. And so I got to be a part of it. Right. And so it wasn't this calculation like, Oh, I'm working my mindless job. I hate, and I want to get out as soon as possible. It was, you know, I'm working on this business. It's, it's, it's great, but I actually want to accomplish a lot at this company. And these are the smartest people I've ever worked with. And, you know, uh, like I, I just sort of wasn't done, you know, I was dating someone. There was just all sort of all kinds of stuff. So I, I just sort of wasn't done and kept working on the, on the business and, um, and sort of kept working on, uh, on my job as well. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can say it was different for me. I like, or I kind of hinted towards that, but I worked, you know, I, I worked at Deutsche Bank, Bank of Germany and Wall Street and distressed debt and, I mean, honestly, I'll be honest, though. There was some fun times. I mean, pizza on, I was on an internal trading floor. I wasn't on the actual trading floor, but I was on a, in the bank's trading floor. And, uh, and you know, we had pizza. We would get, you know, we'd drink together every almost every night or nights. And there was coffee, switching to soda, you know, crazy stuff going on, like... I drink a bottle of Tabasco sauce on the floor as a as a dare. It's crazy stuff, but you know, I uh, I was more wanted to build build something. You know, I think financial companies don't really build much, but uh, 
But um, I would I would love to see Mike Michelini pounding Tabasco sauce. That's on my list. I don't list, recommend. Pal. I don't <laughs> recommend. I don't think that that's you were talking about Airbnb once in a lifetime. I think that was a once in a lifetime. I don't recommend. I, I don't recommend that. It's not good for your uh, internal maybe, system. Maybe at the next. Maybe at the next DCBK, yeah, we can get you a bottle. Right? Oh, brother. It wasn't the biggest bottle, <laughs> but it was not the small ones you see in the past. It was like a medium-sized Tabasco one, man. It was uh, pretty nuts. So, you know, I'm look- we have your blog posts I'm using as a guide. Actually, another book I'll recommend you just is The Upstarts. I read this. I don't know if you've read that. I mean, you lived it. You were in Airbnb, but it's a, it's a good book about how Uber and Airbnb and a killer companies of New Silicon Valley are changing the world. That's their subtitle. But it, it, I remember reading about the subpoena in New York, and it's a good book if somebody's interested to read. The, it, it's a good story of, of these um, sharing economy businesses um as well but that's cool yeah i've seen that book i actually haven't read it uh, yeah but By a Brad bunch Stone. of my coworkers and friends are, are all in it so oh, oh, yeah cool. kind of cool so let's move forward and you you know you're listening to the global media show you're listening to tmba and powerful person of others and you know you're 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 trying to make some moves you know you're reaching out which is great um was so Asia was on the list, or is that part of the goal? Was that a factor in you know leaving, or is the adventure, the travel? I mean, what was it that finally you you eclipsed your salary? You know, was that what you know jumped on a plane? I, I actually I'm looking forward to this story. I want to joke about the, the Bali <laughs> co-working space webinar. I definitely want to have this in the show, so, but I think we'll get to that later. But I think there's the you know, the attraction of the nomad, the four hour work week, is that part of the reason that you'd made the jump or is Yeah. So I think um I really started to my big problem was I I loved my job and I sort of felt unaccomplished at work and wanted to finish a bunch of things there, but I was really sick of San Francisco. I mean really <laughs> over it. Um, San Francisco is such a terrible place to build a lifestyle business. It really just makes no sense if you're working on a lifestyle business. You go there for funding and then you get out. Uh, mm. You really, I have all kinds of opinions on this I can save for another day. But I did myself a huge disservice by, you know, I was getting really excited to leave and I kind of gave myself too long to plan my escape. And I spent a lot of Saturdays, yeah, like you said, I was listening to Tropical MBA, Empire Flippers, your podcast, Global From Asia. I was emailing you questions about, you know, whether or not uh, I should set up a company in Hong Kong and, yeah, and all this kind of stuff. And yeah. it, it was cool to hear your episodes from the early days. But yeah, you were you were in my ears when I was planning my escape, man. Nice. But uh, but uh, yeah, so I, I think I did myself a real big disservice when I was getting ready to bail because I sort of set my expectations crazy high and I had just envisioned this life that was so absurdly unattainable. You know what I mean? You, you see too many, you see too many people on Instagram with their laptop out and the yeah, coconut on the beach. out on a beach yeah, in Bali I'm, I'm... and it'll, it'll drive you nuts. You know what I mean? I, I, uh, yeah, I could imagine yeah. And so, so I was planning the big escape. I finally, you know, put in my notice, wound it all down. I did my four years at Airbnb, said bye to everyone. 
you know, shoulders donated all my stuff, got rid of everything, got rid of the apartment and just everything I owned was in a backpack. And, you know, I left, I went home and hugged the family and all that, but I left one way ticket, filmed this new version of the course. The basic plan was expand the course from an SEO course to seven new courses, went in with a friend, filmed everything and finally arrived in Bali. And the minute I got there, it was a disaster. <laughs> like my my first day there, I got robbed by the police. Um, I got food poisoning, and I was throwing up everywhere. You know, the the course we'd filmed was we I'd spent fifteen thousand dollars on filming this new version of the course, and like it was raining really hard in the warehouse we had rented all day, and so the audio was was super messed up. Mm. And so I'm sitting there in Bali. Not even a week in, I just been robbed by the police. I'm throwing up everywhere, and I'm clutching this external hard drive with fifteen thousand dollars worth of footage on it. <laughs> and I'm just look looking up at the sky, and I'm thinking back to like, you know, Airbnb is like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's all included. It's like the classic Silicon Valley, you know, kind of all inclusive resort. It's like the MacBooks and the beanbag chairs, and you know, the smartest people you've ever worked with, and Airbnb credit. And I'm sitting there like. What what am I doing? You know, why did I leave? And just very serious, uh, seriously debating what I was doing with my life. You know what I mean? I, I, I can kind of imagine. I mean, you know, I came out here a bit earlier, and I didn't get that whole FOMO feeling from Instagram and social media when I first came, but. But yeah, I think that they, they always overhype and half those people are selling some kind of a life changing course or some kind of a, some kind of MLM scheme or something. I think a lot of times on those social media pictures, but, but uh, yeah, I mean the internet, I mean the internet in Asia is most places unless you're in like Hong Kong or Singapore. I mean, maybe in some places, I guess getting better, but even back when you would come out here to the internet was always a big issue especially and we're working online and i think you know you cracked me up i uh i think it's brie I, he was even on the show uh, a while ago and we were joking about you with uh saying you were an isis uh, like webinar and at that uh, co-working space in bali you were doing like a live webinar and he's you have like a screenshot and you're showing like you're showing like you you like with the not well lit and it's like black background and <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I was doing this webinar <laughs> from this co-working space with like bad internet, and I feel like I'm a ISIS, I'm a ISIS ca- uh, captured, uh, you know, just doing a, like a live streaming <laughs> for something like this. So it was, it was cracking up, man. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was it was one of the many many problems. We I ended up, you know, finally getting my my everything together, and we decided to launch the course and prepared for this big webinar and it just went terribly. Uh, you know, I'd emailed the whole list for this whole webinar and I was doing it from the co-working space in Bali at like two in the morning. <laughs> the air conditioner in the the booth went out. <laughs> I was just sweating super hard. The connection was really bad and uh, the audio was really bad and someone literally emailed in and saying, w- said, were you captured by ISIS? Yeah, Question mark. <laughs> And uh, that just that's just a small summary of basically how the first three months of leaving my job to go full time on this thing was. Yeah. So I think, you know, I guess to recap for for listeners, I mean, I think every year or even more, it gets I I don't want to say easier or 
it gets easier and better. I mean, Airbnb has helped tons for people to be able to travel anywhere. And even Uber, well, Uber has more sisters in Asia with Grabs or DDs. But, you know, I think these services and technology and infrastructures have been steadily increasing, I think. Um, so I think it's getting, quote unquote, easier and better for, for people to travel the world and um, you know, with co-working spaces getting better and all these, everything's getting, I think, better and easier. But of course, that's something people should should take into account. I think for me, I've definitely had to meditate. There's been days like you you or I still have where, they, you know, I'm, I'm in Chiang Mai and uh, I'm a little bit further out from downtown and the power blew out like last Friday, like we're in 2019. And then the whole complex and they're like, oh, you know, you go to the security guard and they're like, yeah. We'll be back in four o'clock. I'm like, it's 10 a.m. <laughs> you know, like it's 10 a.m. Like, mm-hmm. um, so I think it's something people should realize is it's there's gonna be times you just gotta. Uh, and then my wife, const- I I still get annoyed honestly, and she's like, you're not in America anymore. You got. And I'm like, I know I've been in America in like 11 years. I I know, but uh, that's definitely something I think people should should. Um, prepare for but i think it's also part of the adventure of course if it really interferes with your ability to get work done um it's something people consider so three months in a webinar where you're you're looking like uh, isis um hostage what what, hap- <laughs> what happens what happens next yeah so the next phase of it um that's sort of where we we you know took all that money and reinvested in launching the next phase of the business i ended up uh bringing on a co-founder actually really late into the business which is sort of controversial um but yeah brought him on he was a former apprentice and we took all that money and plowed it back into launching all the other courses and it was very up and down again from there we pre-sold these seven courses before we launched them and ended up doing really 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 well and then the next kind of six months after that were absolutely miserable. The <laughs> the pre-sale went really great. And then we had a ton of problems in actually getting the products up and live and, and going. Uh, we ultimately recovered from that. We, we ended up recovering from it in the most boring way possible. We just sort of laid out all the, all the projects and what we thought the biggest impact would be. And we worked on them slowly over time, just kind of chipping away at, at each one of them. And uh, we're in a much better spot now. We're excited to see what happens next. Digital marketing training is just kind of one of these things we we don't think is going to go away anytime soon. Businesses are are continuing to invest in it. We have a bunch of bigger name clients now, which is cool. And we're trying to figure out what's next. Is it going to be you know the big corporations that want to train up a thousand people, or is it going to be uh, uh, more smaller companies? Right now, we focus mostly on entrepreneurs, marketers. Um, and agencies and consultants. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so do we do more of that, right? Do we go the university angle? Right now there's 50 universities in the United States that offer a master's degree in digital marketing. Okay. And these degrees are completely pointless. They are completely overpriced, absolutely ridiculous. They cost forty to $100,000. And they're absurd. They offer no value to the users. They're taught with physical textbooks by 70-year-old instructors. Uh. They often don't even, don't do job placements, right? And uh, you know, as a hiring manager, I've hired people at pay- PayPal and Airbnb. Um, you know, people have hired me at these jobs, and no one would ever look at these degrees with any seriousness, right? But but young kids are are being convinced that they need them, and so uh, the next phase of it, we'll see. We could take it a lot of different angles, but um, it's definitely turned from 
kind of the dorky, uh, you know, broken business where I was sitting in Bali crying, clutching my external hard drive to something where we're solving uh, serious businesses problems now. And, it, and it's starting to grow, which has been great. Yeah, I think um, it's exciting times. And we should also target Chinese, man. Chinese are like the biggest buyers of, I think, you know, that's a big problem with trade war is they're stopping making me Chinese parents will just pay anything for school, like the top school because of degree and you want to have this stupid, stupid degree on your stupid resume to get a stupid job. Like, you know, uh, my wife is already talking about like which Harvard or Yale for our kids. I'm like, man, they're like three and five years old. Like, you know, I think uh, especially Chinese want this face and this, uh, this stupid degree. I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know if my kids will ever listen to these podcasts, but I hope they don't go to college to be honest, especially in 15, 20 years. I just can't imagine I can't imagine it being a requirement. I heard like is it Google and some other Facebook, I think they're not requiring degrees anymore for for working there, stuff like this. Yeah, I mean, there's there's starting to be a movement and I was actually at Airbnb. I was just I'm just passionate about the subject. I was formerly a I formerly taught at a graduate school. I'm I'm attacking this market now, but I was also just passionate about it and I would talk to recruiters about this all the time. And it often didn't matter whether or not it was formal policy. You know, the recruiter has a job to hire a particular person, but it, it never came up um, having the degree. And this is very contextually dependent, right? You probably mm. need a degree for brain surgery, brain surgery and pediatric care, right? Or rocket True. science. Um, but, you know, there's there's just so many useless ones out there exactly. that need to go away. Exactly. That's interesting that you, you know, gun to your head, if, we, you, if, if asked today... You actually wouldn't want your kids to go to college. That's I find that fascinating. Tell what why I mean, why is that? Well, like, you know, my my kids are really really young. So I mean my son's five, he's in kindergarten, K two, and he wanted to draw Hulk. So I I don't know how to draw Hulk, man. <laughs> like and he's like, I don't know how to draw Hulk and I'm like, Okay, YouTube, how to draw Hulk cartoon. And there's this like four minute video with like a father or an old, like an adult and a child, and they're sitting next to each other, and they all, you know, they're showing you for free in a four-minute video, and he drew it, and my wife's like, he's not gonna learn because he's gonna, he's gonna just learn to search YouTube to get answers. I'm like, I don't believe that, man. I think he'll get confidence and he'll be able to draw a better Hulk by himself without the video in two years, you know. And now he wants me to show him how to draw Spider-Man, and. I got a, I got annoyed on WeChat. You know, I, I, I kind of get annoyed at direct messages because I an- try to answer as much as I possibly can on my blog for free or a podcast for free. Like, and people still want to like directly ask me a question. You know, as I'm a little bit of a nut, but you know, she's asking someone's asking me a question about coming to Thailand. They're asking me questions that I believe you can find in Google and the top five search results in like ten minutes. You know, maybe it's blocked in China. Maybe people just search and ask their friends for answers, but. I said to my son, I'm like, Miles, please don't be this girl on my WeChat and asking someone for answers. You can search on the internet for almost any answer <laughs> now and learn by yourself. And he's he's five, so he's like, Mike, my, my dad, what do you mean? I'm like, just promise me, Miles, before you ask someone a question, you will at least spend five minutes to try to get the answer, and most likely you'll be able to get that answer in five minutes. And I think that... I'm I'm training him, so he's he's waiting for me to show him the next cartoon 
drawing tutorial of how to make Spider-Man. But I think that will, you know, I think that that's the skill, right? To be able to learn how to learn, right? And then, of course, they'll need courses like your courses for a very extensive in-depth training. But to get answers on some shorter things, like don't be don't be late don't be lazy and try to like wait for somebody to tell you how to do something like in school like you know i think i think that the future is uh people can learn i mean look look at all this amazing knowledge that's just at our fingertips you know um so i at least hope my my kids i'm going to try my best to, to force them but you know, encourage them to uh, learn by themselves not wait for their teacher to give them an assignment so they learn how to do this but actually like you know, take initiative and learn. And I think that that will be the future, you know, like, uh, we have, you know, I have, uh, our team that's going to make this show. It's, it's an amazing team, mostly in the Philippines. And I, I try to, I try to encourage everyone to, if you want to work hard, you can, you can, you can, you can learn. There's no excuses anymore where you can't go to, you can, maybe you can't get the degree from an expensive college because yeah, you can't pay the 40 to a hundred thousand dollars or whatever, but if you want to learn something now, I think there's very little things blocking you from doing that and accomplishing that. And uh, I hope I have some, whether it's my kids or listeners or, or people on my team, I, I hope that I, you know, can have some difference for that. That's my rant. <laughs> Completely. 100%. Yeah, actually, uh, at the university I was, I was teaching at before anyone... The, I, I did it for four years in a row, four summers in a row, and the first summer was miserable because I set it up very poorly. And anytime anyone had a question, they would email me and I would just answer it. And then 90% of all the questions I got were just like you were very Googleable. Exactly. So the second year, the, the very first day, I set up, are you familiar with the site? Let me Google that for you.com. Yeah, there's some uh, yeah. other variations where it, you can it, even it, you it, can hyperlink it and then you give them the link and they click yeah. it and it search, spits out a search result page like this. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So the basic idea, it's a jerk, it's a jerk move, but basically you yeah, go to let is. me Google that for you.com and then you Google the thing and then it gives you a link where it 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 uh, it gives it to the user and it just goes to Google for them and Google's it and it's just it's just a it's just a it kind of a jerk way to tell people to stop being lazy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but but I actually did this. I actually did this with all my students. So I just had so many Googleable questions and I said at the very first day, um, you can ask me anything you want, but if you ask me a very Googleable question, all I'm going to do is send you to let me Google that for you.com. And it's going to be really embarrassing. And that dropped the emails to me by half. Yeah. Uh, which was great because people, yeah, they did it on their own. They searched for themselves and, and, and all that. So it ended up being really valuable, but yeah, we, we view the, I, I view it exactly like you, Mike, like the, the model we take is, Similar to you, you're always pushing out all this free content. We're the exact same way. We're actually very inspired by Ramit Sethi. Uh, yeah. You know, the, uh, teach you to the, be rich. I will teach you to be rich. Yeah. yeah. So our our we do the same thing. Like 98% of everything we do is free. Uh, but if you want the results faster and you want the, the you know the l unlimited lifetime updates and all that, then it's then you go for the paid course. Or if you're trying to to train up a whole team, right, you go sure. for the paid course. But 98% of what we do is is free, and you can access it and search for it. And that's just sort of how it works. So it's been really helpful for us so far. Sure. Of course. I mean, I hope I'm, of course, encouraging courses and programs. It's just uh, like this bloat in these universities of, you know, like you said, 40 to 100,000. And then 
I keep reading these articles like, you know, the student loan debt and then you come out of college, you can't even get a job because you learned how to like, you learn something that's not even really relevant or useful in, in society today. And then, you know, I've kind of, and then there's the entitlement and then it might even lead back to this whole, you know, Donald Trump walls and immigrations and but it's not even happening in the u.s it's happening in europe it's happening in everywhere now these countries are you know it's protectionism because we have to give our people the jobs because they paid for the school or they were born here they have a passport from here it's just kind of really annoying to me and i i don't know how much longer governments can protect its people from the reality that just because you were born here and had you know have this college degree that you should get more opportunity than other people. I don't know how much longer that's going to be. And I think when, if that ever does go away, you know, there's a lot of hungry, hardworking, you know, quote unquote, third world people that are pretty amazing that will, you know, that will hustle. So, you know, I think that people got to realize that. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll see where it goes, but, uh, this has been great, Tommy. I, uh, I think uh, I think we've motive hopefully motivated some comfortable people to maybe get uncomfortable or you know maybe don't purposely go into debts to uh, to start their own business. But what what do you normally recommend somebody that wants to do what what you've done or what you know what many people listening might want to do is you know get out of a rat race, get a live the dream, you know sipping coconuts in a, in a ISIS compound in Bali or. Uh... <laughs> 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 yeah, so um, I think the big the big thing that I I actually kind of accidentally stumbled upon this, but Dan Andrews, um, the guy from the Dynamite Circle, our, yeah. Our, yeah, TMBA, our, our mutual friend, he he coined this term um, in a blog post recently that I really liked, and he called it exit velocity, and. This ended up being incredibly helpful for me. And and the point him and his co-host on the podcast, Ian, talk about is they say there's kind of too many people, you know, maybe they're a lawyer during the day and they end up doing a side project that's completely unrelated to what they've spent, you know, 20 years working on in their other life, right? So like they've been a lawyer for 20 years, but then they go and they start to sell like, uh, you know, CrossFit jump ropes on the side or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean you can't do it. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean it won't work. Of course, there's examples of people doing something completely unrelated and that's fine. And there's also examples where maybe they don't like their current job and they want to go do something they're really passionate about. And that's totally unrelated. That's fine too. But I think something that increases your likelihood of success is this concept that Dan uh, coined called exit velocity. And I had accidentally done this. He, I have the definition right here. I'm just pulling it up now. He calls exit velocity the amount of professional and entrepreneurial momentum you have when quitting your job and starting a new venture. Momentum can come from a variety of sources, investment, capital, experience, anchor clients, industry knowledge, and connections, a.k.a. unfair advantage. Right. So for me, it was like, OK, I'm working for these two big brand companies, PayPal and Airbnb. I'm managing search engine optimization there. But on the side, I was teaching SEO and sort of, you know, was getting paid by someone else to do this stuff, but was also compounding all of that into my side project. And then by the time I was ready to go, I had a lot of momentum on the ground. Right. Mm, I leveraged everything I, I, like I had there. And so I think that's helpful. That'd be my one piece of advice is to think about exit velocity. It's not the end all be all, but look, if you're a dentist or a lawyer or uh, you know a teacher, whatever you do, 
if you like that and you're not necessarily trying to escape your, everything you do day to day, I think leveraging whatever you're doing now into your side project is incredibly beneficial because look at the end of the day, you know, this is just a, a classic hilarious. It's a cliche at this point in the Valley, but startups are hard and most startups fail. And mm -hmm. you know, it like all, all in all likelihood, whatever you're planning is going to fail. That's math. That's just how math works. So anything you can do to increase your likelihood of success is valuable. And one of those things is exit velocity. So it's just compounding any of the advantages you have now and what you're currently doing and then leveraging those into your side project. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I think it's, uh, something else in the startup world is unfair, competitive unfair advantage, something like this, or, you know, some kind of unique selling at USP is a very common one I learned in school. But I think you have to have something that you're really good at. And then also Dan says is, you know, a thousand day rule. I think something else he's talked about, you know, it takes three, four for years sure. for you to actually have a skill that's valuable or different enough than the general population that's worth somebody else paying for. So sure. If you're, if you're working in your nine to five, building up a skill and uh, take that and leverage, leverage as much as you can when you're a scrapping young hustler that's willing to, trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents, you know, um, you just got to leverage every, every advantage you, you possibly have. So thanks so much, Tommy. This has been amazing. And of course we'll link up to the websites, clickminded.com where you also have the blog post we are referencing to call burning the boats. What are some other ways people could, uh, could reach out or connect or, or is this the best place? Yeah, um, well, you can find us at clickminded.com. On Twitter, I'm at Tommy Griffith. And we actually have a bunch of free SEO checklists and SEO strategy guides and digital marketing strategy guides for you, Mike, if that's cool. If we could throw those in the sure, show. Sure, sure. Send, send them over. We'll, we'll add them up. We'll add them up, man. SEO is all about backlinks. We know <laughs> we didn't get into much technical, <laughs> but sure, man. You got your backlinks for sure, man. It's been great. I think it's a very valuable Sweet. show. And thanks for your time. And, uh, and luckily, we had pretty stable internet, no power outages, no uh, no drop calls. It's been uh, pretty lucky here. Thanks, thanks, Tommy. Yeah, Mike, thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. Are you working on your SEO game? You know, Tommy complimented me on this content machine here at Global From Asia, and we've separated out or taken some of our team and our resources and created contentinvestments.com. It's a pretty extensive services and packages. I had a great call with a client, Bob Simpson. Thanks for that, Bob. Uh, we can help you with blog posts. We can help you with podcast creation, listing creation, photo, video, all kinds of amazing stuff. So if you're impressed by our content here, our, our team, it's, it's just me on this microphone now. I have amazing, amazing people that help us so much. And we've extended that to you as listeners or people that want this service www.contentinvestments.com thank you so much all right i said i would throw in some of my tragedies tommy's a really charismatic he's a he's a great guy he's great on webinars i gotta learn from him to be honest uh, but we had some fun stories where he's talking about being an isis victim doing a webinar in bali i mean i've had horrible webinar experiences where i've had bad internet in china and other times but I'm not going to talk about that now. I'm going to talk about some of the other crazy, stupid things that maybe I've talked about here. I usually put it on mikesblog.com. And 
I'm not trying to offend China, but of course there's a lot of fun stuff you can talk about living in China or living outside of your home country, living in another culture, living uh, outside of your elements, talking about comfort zones. I hope some of you realize it. I had an amazing comfort zone. I worked on Wall Street. I worked at Deutsche Bank. I mean, honestly, I turned down Goldman Sachs. I picked Gold, Deutsche Bank over Goldman. That's a whole story It's in itself. But uh, I got to go to London for training and uh, stayed in New York City almost five years. But it was pretty comfortable. Two weeks, every two weeks, get that money hit in your bank account. Decent. They definitely pay pretty well on, uh, over there. And, you know, I leveraged all that I could into my own Amazon or no Amazon then, even e commerce, eBay, and websites and S- learning SEO. But enough of that. But when I came out to China, there were some smaller stupid things. I remember I tried to order food uh, by myself and I had the phone number and. Oh no, here, the story actually, I feel like it was. My doorbell rang when I was just in China at the end of 2007. Melissa was my assistant. She's still my good friend. And I didn't know what to do, but my doorbell rang and they had some fast food delivery and I didn't, didn't know how to even order fast food. And they gave me the bag and asked me for like 10 RMB or 8 RMB and I gave it to them because I just didn't know how to get rid of them. And I just got somebody else's fast food. It was like, you know, it's like a dollar. It was like a dollar at the time. I think seriously, it was like seven or eight RMB. Uh, and it was a huge fish. Seriously, it was like a fish inside of a styrofoam bowl in a soup. It was like some kind of fish soup. Um, that was one small story. You know, I usually tell these over dinner tables with some people that want to hear these stories. So the the, the always the fun stories is getting, um, not fun, but entertaining is getting robbed. Nobody likes getting robbed. I, I, w- I was investing in decent bikes. I mean, I would bike, you know, on weekends for fun in Shenzhen. And so I bought, you know, about $200 US cost mountain bike because, you know, I could have gotten a street bike, but I wanted to get a nicer one. I got convinced by a couple of friends and you couldn't really leave it outside because it would get stolen. Uh, nowadays, there's cameras everywhere and there's uh, the police state. But I think before it was it wasn't like that. So. I would always bring my bike into the restaurant or bring it into the business or bring it into the company. I'd carry it upstairs sometimes because I just didn't trust putting it in that bike lock outside. So one time I uh, just couldn't convince the stupid restaurant to let me take my bike, my mountain bike, into the restaurant and put it next to my table. I mean, I did it so many times and I was just... My Chinese wasn't so good anyway, but it was always like, I don't know what you're saying. I can't speak Chinese. And just, uh, just even if I could understand what they're saying, I didn't know what, I would just act like I don't know what you're saying. And you usually just let me go. So this time they just didn't let up. And uh, it was a business meeting I had. It was like a lunch. It was, it was in, uh, near Sheko Walmart, one of the, that garden mall. I can't remember the name. So she, they forced me to put it outside and they said, don't worry. It's safe here. It's safe here. And it was like noon on Tuesday or Wednesday, Thursday. It was definitely a mid midweek kind of thing. And I'm talking to this uh, Chinese businessman about some kind of like product manufacturing thing, something. This is like 2008, 2009. And I just said, sorry, I forget his name. And I was like, sorry, do you mind I just go check my bike? Like, seriously, I just want to check my bike. And he's kind of like chuckling and says, okay. And I go, look. Do you think the bike was there? No. I don't think it was more than a half an hour and the bike was gone. I'm like, 
so mad because this maybe the restaurant was in on the, the maybe it's a it's their their plan was to rob my bike but i i freaked out i freaked out you know i i go back and i asked the chinese uh businessman that was in my meeting to help me talk to them and of course there it's not their liability it's my liability because i left the bike out there and i said you made me leave the bike out there but I call the police or I tell the guy, he's like, nobody calls the police, but I called the police and the police came and there was a camera pointing at that bike area. But of course the bike, that camera was not working or not installed or some BS. So I wanted to file a police report and they thought I was crazy. They're like filing a police report. But I went in the police truck with the guy to the police station and it was in Sheko in Shenzhen and uh, they can even speak some English and they said you know they're just trying to get the description of the bike and then I said so do you uh do you have like a loaner bike you could lend me that you've claimed I don't know I don't can't say I've done this in the US but I swear there's like a room in a police station in America where they've reclaimed stolen goods and they're trying to find the person it belongs to they're like what do you mean I'm like, you know, any of the stolen bikes that you found? And they're just looking at me like blank. And I'm like, so basically you never find stolen bikes. And I uh, said, so wait, I'm a business owner. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm, I'm, a, I'm trying to figure out good business opportunities always. So wait, if I steal bikes or I have other people steal bikes, and then maybe I don't steal it myself, but I tell other people to steal bikes, and I give them half of what I can sell it for, I ha- and I only have to pay them when I sell it, and then if I get in any trouble, I can just use some of my profits to pay people off, and then my, my Chinese friend's like, shut up, shut up. I'm like, but this is seriously what's happening, like, probably exactly what's happening, but I uh, I got the police report. It's on my personal blog. I documented this like a weirdo, and I, I said, I will uh, call you, or they're like, no, you don't call us. If we have any updates on this case, we call you. <laughs> so, poor Amy, poor Amy on my team at the time, who I, I asked her like a week later, can you call the police and ask them an update? Man, you could hear them yelling to her on the phone when she called. Like, this is like a traditional like office landline phone. And they're like, in Chinese, like, we said don't call us, we call you. When we have an update? And then, like, a week or two later, again, I asked her, and she was, like, begging me, please, Mike, I don't want to call. Please, I don't want to call. I'm like, call. They were so furious. They're just, like, so furious because, basically, they're not going to find this stolen bike. So I lost the bike. It's a bummer. Maybe I'll link it up on the show notes, but uh, it was a really old blog post. I don't know. I could go for one more if you're still with me. You could just cancel if you don't want to hear the second story. So the second story is my laptop got stolen. This is a big bummer. My laptop got stolen at a restaurant. I got invited by a friend. Um, she won tickets to a restaurant for an opening of a restaurant. And uh, it was a head table. And the radio show host that she listened to was there. And the owner or manager of the restaurant was there. It was like a massive table, like 15 people. And I took my laptop. And it actually was a new HP. And it came in an HP bag. And I brought it with me, stupidly, after my work. I left left my office, and I went there. And 
we had dinner and everything and then we get up and everybody's all happy and then my laptop's gone it was in an hp laptop bag so don't use those laptop bags they gave it to me for free but don't it's basically a big sign saying steal me but uh this is 2009 i think and i freaked out again i'm like my laptop it was actually only like a month old maybe not even and they're just like oh maybe you left it in the office i'm like no no i took it for sure i definitely took it and then they uh they said oh there's a camera and there's another camera broken again these things at least then i think now they're real but i think then they were just half of them were not really there just hopefully scaring people to not steal or do something bad but i was like this is bs and the manager is all embarrassed the radio show host is all concerned the girl that was with me was like nervous and i say call the police people at least then never call the police and now and this story is where i learned not to do not to call the police so the police came i'll try to shorten this up but basically i saw some pretty crazy stuff of people getting thrown pretty roughly uh, around inside the police station and i went into like some interrogation room or reporting room and felt like it was in a hellraiser movie where there's people in all these rooms like yelling and screaming and being tortured it was felt like that but sitting down and the first part of the form of the police report is about you so like where do you live are you registered police what do you do what's your visa i'm like man it was grilling me and i was like man i just got my laptop stolen but they have he just says i gotta fill this report out so you gotta fill tell me all of this information before i can get to your report and it was kind of scary. I was like, hopefully I'm not going to get in trouble for something with one of these questions. But basically, I got past all the questions, fill out the report. We're leaving. And the manager was with me, actually, and the girl. So he felt all relieved. He's like, okay, great. This is over. And we're in the parking lot. And he's like, oh, don't worry. We're going to find it. We'll let you know. And he's kind of like, he has a sigh of relief and it's kind of like smirk. And uh, I didn't speak much Chinese still and uh I could tell he was kind of like kind of like just like relieved so I, I just said to the girl I said just tell him pay me 8,000 RMB which is about at the time I guess like 1,200 US I said just give me just give me that money and then you know don't worry about it uh no problem and then she's like you want me to tell him that I'm like yeah tell him that so she uh she tells him in Chinese and you can see his his like relieved smirk turns into like an angry face like i, I wish i could have recorded that i didn't do videos that i was like it just we're in the parking lot of a of a police station and it just went that smile went to like frown within like four or five words and then he's like starts arguing with her saying it's his fault he has to be careful of his own belongings it's not our responsibility for watching our customers goods and i said you didn't put a condom on my chair i call it like a chair condom you ever see that in a restaurant where they put this like thing on the back of your chair it's like a big cloth that goes and covers your jacket or your bag because he didn't put that on my chair and you know and then basically still didn't really care and i had some other reasons he didn't really care i had to kind of give i had to kind of give him a tw- chance i said well you know i i love blogging i share online I, I know a lot of the english english newspapers your restaurant just opened how about i read a little report about what happened and my my laptop again stolen there and and then uh, that's what got his attention. That's what got his attention. So he says, okay, okay. How about I give you half the money? I'll give you 4000 You sign a paper that promises you don't talk about this. I guess now, well, that was 10 years ago. So anyway, I don't say the name of a restaurant anyways. It was a Nanshan near the Nanshan Saiga. But basically, 
we went back to his restaurant. He gave me an envelope of 4,000. I counted it and he gave me some kind of paper he hand wrote in Chinese and I just signed the bottom, just gonna shut my mouth. But that was the only the way that got that to work. And then I had Chinese friends mad at me, like, you shouldn't have gotten any money. If I Chinese, they would never get Chinese because you're a foreigner. They give you your money back. Blah blah blah. You you shouldn't have got anything. I had people like saying I was, they, they were like angry at me that I got any kind of money because I'm white or I'm a foreigner. And I don't know whatever, I'll take it. But anyway, that's a couple of my stories. But that's what's gonna happen. You know, like Tommy has some problems. You know, but uh, hopefully you like the adventure and hopefully you keep an open mind and you learn and. Get out of your comfort zone, like we said. So thanks, Tommy, for coming on the show. If you're still listening to this blah, blah, blah series, this is a little bit longer than the others, but I snuck in two stories. I think those are some of my more favorite ones I like to share. So maybe now I can just tell people to listen to the podcast. This episode, 260. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day. Bye-bye. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.